Welcome, everybody, to Tokens of Wisdom. I'm your host, Dave Rothschild, a partner at Cole Freeman & Mallon, a boutique law firm based in San Francisco with one of the leading private fund practices on the West Coast. Before we dive into the episode, like always, please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the show. Nothing I say here is legal investment or tax advice. Hello, Tokens of Wisdom listeners. Today, we're looking at non-U.S. fund managers and what obligations they might have when selling interests in their non-U.S. funds to U.S. investors. There's a lot of potential folks who fall into this bucket. Lately, as U.S. regulators try their darndest to push the entire digital asset ecosystem out of the United States, I've had more and more clients asking me what they need to do to set up shop outside the U.S. And while I can't give them advice on what local regulations apply to them in non-U.S. jurisdictions, I can talk them through what the U.S. regulatory landscape looks like once they've set up shop overseas. Another bucket of folks this might apply to is fund managers based anywhere outside the U.S. As most folks are aware, the United States has a deep reservoir of capital, and it may be an attractive jurisdiction to non-U.S. based fund managers who are looking to raise assets for their funds. So if you're curious what laws apply to you, if you're a non-U.S. based fund manager looking to raise from U.S. investors, you've found the right episode. Now, by non-U.S. fund manager, I mean that it's a fund manager set up somewhere outside the United States. Well, thanks, Captain Obvious, you might be saying. What I mean by this is that it has no place of business in the United States. It does not have an office here. A lot of non-U.S. fund managers are sufficiently large that they open offices in the United States. And then in most cases, U.S. regulations, at least those applicable to fund managers that we've discussed on this show, apply like they do to any other investment advisor based in that state. So if you have no place of business in the United States, why would U.S. laws extend to your business? Well, because you're trying to do business with U.S. investors, of course. If you're a non-U.S. fund manager with no U.S. investors, then you're not likely having to deal with U.S. law at all. But if you're trying to raise money from U.S. investors, even one U.S. investor, then Uncle Sam enters the picture. Once Uncle Sam's in the picture, you got to go back and listen to episodes one and two and familiarize yourself with the legislative triangle applicable to fund management businesses. As a real brief refresher, the first side of the triangle is the Securities Act. You're issuing private securities in your fund, the interests in your fund, and you need to find an exemption from registration, most typically the private placement exemptions under Regulation D. Second side of the triangle is the Investment Company Act. Once you start admitting U.S. investors into your fund, U.S. law would consider your fund an investment company and it would need to qualify for an exemption from registration under the Investment Company Act. Third and finally, the U.S. Investment Advisors Act. You're receiving compensation in exchange for giving investment advice about securities? Bingo, you're an investment advisor. If you're up on your tokens of wisdom history, you know that episode two lays out the investment advisor regulatory analysis. You're regulated by either the states in which you operate or the SEC. Well, for a non-U.S. fund manager, you're not operating in any states. And so the SEC becomes your default regulator. Now, listening to episodes one and two are important to get the lay of the land and figure out generally how these regulations apply to this type of business. But the analysis for a non-US-based fund manager is a bit different. So going back to the first side of the triangle, the Securities Act, exact same analysis as I talked about in episode one. You're either going to rely on 506B or 506C in the vast majority of cases for the fund interests that you're selling to U.S. investors. Investment Company Act, same thing. It's basically the exact same analysis. You're either going to rely on Section 3C1 or Section 3C7. Good news here for non-U.S.-based funds is that you can discount non-U.S. investors in your non-U.S. fund. 
So if you recall, 3C1 is an exemption that's available to any fund that's not making a public offering and that has no more than 100 beneficial owners. Well, for purposes of counting those beneficial owners, you can discount non-US investors in a non-US fund. Similar story with the 3C7 analysis. Everybody has to be a qualified purchaser. Only if you're talking about a non-US fund, the non-US investors in that non-US fund do not have to be qualified purchasers. So we're only talking about your US investors. If you think you're going to raise from more than 100 US beneficial owners, then you're going to have to rely on 3C7 and make sure that all of them are qualified purchasers. So having breezed through the first two sides of the triangle, let's talk about the third one and probably the meatiest for non-US based fund managers, and that's the investment advice. Act. The analysis for a non-U.S. fund manager is a bit different than it is for U.S.-based managers, but good news, it's generally more lenient. There are essentially three levels of regulation that might apply to you. And we're going to take them in order from the simplest to the most complex. So number one is the simplest. This is known as the foreign private advisor exemption. It's an exemption from registration, so you don't have to register as an investment advisor, and it doesn't even require a filing. It's a self-executing exemption. So you can qualify for the foreign private advisor exemption if If you're an investment advisor with no place of business in the United States, which we've already talked about, you have fewer than 15 clients in the United States. And here I want to pause because the definition of client in this foreign private advisor exemption is a bit different than it is in a lot of other investment advisor regulatory contexts. Very often, as we've talked about before, you count the fund vehicle itself as your client and you don't count underlying investors in the fund as your client. But for the specific purposes of this foreign private advisor exemption, you have to count the fund funds and the investors in the fund. So if you have more than 15 US investors in your fund, you're not going to qualify for the foreign private advisor exemption anymore, even if you only have one fund. So third requirement is that the aggregate assets under management attributable to your US clients is less than 25 million. And finally, you don't hold yourself out to the public generally as an investment advisor in the United States. So taking them all together, no place of business in the US, fewer than 15 clients, AUM of less than 25 million attributable to those clients and don't hold yourself out generally to the public as an investment advisor. If you meet all four of those, you qualify for a self-executing exemption from registration as an investment advisor. You don't have to file anything. You don't have to register you're good to go. So what happens when you exceed one of those thresholds? So you're about to admit your 16th US investor into your fund, or the AUM attributable to your US investors grows beyond $25 million. Well, then you fall back on the private fund exemption, same as the one we've discussed ad nauseum on prior episodes. You file a truncated version of the Form ADV. You report that your only clients are private fund vehicles. You have less than $150 million attributable to those fund vehicles, or that all your funds meet the definition of a venture capital fund, and bingo, bango, you're exempt from registration. Now, this one does require a filing, like I said, the truncated version of the Form ADV, but that's not terribly complex. It's relatively easy to file, and there's no back and forth with regulators. It's effective as soon as you file it. The big difference for non-US-based advisors in analyzing the private fund exemption and its availability is that you can exclude consideration of non-US clients. So what that means is that even if you have a broader investment advisory business overseas, if your only US clients are investors in private funds and you manage less than $150 million, then you can qualify for this exemption. Unlike a US-based advisor, who as soon as they accept a client that's not a private fund vehicle, they cease to qualify for this private fund exemption. That's the second level. It requires a filing, so it's a little more arduous than the first level, which is self-executing, but it's much simpler and more straightforward than the third level, which is to register as an investment advisor. 
If you don't qualify for either number one or number two, and you have U.S. investors in your fund, then you're going to have to register as an investment advisor with the SEC. And that's really it. Like I mentioned up top, I think this is becoming more and more popular, especially among digital asset focused fund managers as the U.S. regulators get more aggressive in that asset class. But maybe after the exciting order issued in the Ripple case a few weeks ago, we'll start to see this trend reverse. Well, now that all that boring regulatory analysis is out of the way, it's time for the part you've all been waiting for. The legal disclaimer. In this show, I describe laws and regulations from a 10,000-foot view, and while this should be obvious to most, I need to say it nonetheless. This show is for informational purposes only, and nothing said here constitutes legal, investment, or tax advice. If you're thinking about starting a fund or you're curious about what's involved, this show is a good resource as you explore your options. But if you're going to pull the trigger and launch a fund, please engage an attorney to assist you. Thanks for listening to Tokens of Wisdom with Dave Rothschild. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, follow, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends about us. 